more than indisputable. It's Adrian Lawrence filling in again for Dr. Richie, and it happens to be New Year's Eve Eve, and I like that because it's also the 99th show. So this is very, very exciting. And to essentially up the ante, we have for you today Nina Turner, the Force. Thanks for joining us today, Nina. It's good to be here with you, Adrian. A little black girl magic going on. Yes. Absolutely. I really think that this is what TYT Indisputable needs to close out the year because, you know, we got this shine, so I can dig it. Come on. Yes. Well, we are going to bring it through all day for you today, especially in this next hour and a half. And let's go ahead and start with something that is on the minds of many of individuals out there. Or actually not, just really Marjorie Taylor Greene. The Georgia representative is renewing calls for a national divorce. Yeah, that's right, she wants to split up the nation. She wants to divide it between kind of an east west coast and then also tax Californians and New Yorkers at kind of different rates if they move to red states. Check out her tweet here. Marjorie Taylor Greene said, in response to a post by Pedro L. Gonzalez, all possible in a national divorce scenario. After Democrat voters and big donors ruin a state like California, you would think it wise to stop them from doing it to another great state like Florida. Brainwashed people that move from California to New York really need a cooling off period. Wow, that that's so that's such a special thing to say in part because hey, there are so many things that are um, let's say maybe contributing factors that people in Cali and New York bring to the table. So to think that they in some way should be punished, penalized or should need to cool off is kind of silly. Also something interesting, the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia, well it found that actually Marjorie Taylor Greene may not necessarily be alone in this because 52% of Trump voters and 41% of Biden voters also endorse splitting up the nation. This is really strange, weird and also kind of a little bit illegal, at least for that cooling down period thought. You know, the thought that, hey, you can't vote, you need a cooling down period until you acclimate to the political climate in which you live. That's not how the law works. You know, you can move to a place, you know, establish residency and be able to vote. And also the whole thing of let me tax you different because you're from a different place, also kind of unconstitutional. But, you know, it seems that Marjorie Taylor Greene really just is cool with trimming some fat off the Constitution in terms of people's actual rights. I'm not really down for this in terms of splitting up or necessarily taxing people differently or delaying their rights to vote. Nina, what do you think? We need a divorce, all right, and that divorce is from Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is more of her insanity, not surprised she will do anything to get attention other than standing up for the people and doing the things that are necessary to change their material conditions. It's just really about her right now. It is an asinine idea to want to do this. And it's just another thing I say, I would think Adrian, to really take our eyes to get people not to focus in on the main things. You know, don't look at the woman behind the curtain here. Look at this foolishness over there. And we got COVID we got to deal with. We got to deal with this new variant. Uh, people are overburdened. They're sick. They're not able to, uh, you know, afford time off. I mean, you name it, it is happening to everyday American people. And here she is playing games about who lives uh, in New York and California and who lives in other parts of the country. 
Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It's just nonsense on nonsense on nonsense. It's like yeah. she just has to make sure that we end this year on a note of being asinine. And I don't get it, but the thing is, this is also not the first time she's done this. She's yeah. tweeted out multiple times about uh, you know, having some kind of secession. Uh, she put up this poll in October asking people, what would they like? Should America have a national divorce? Yes, by red and our Republican and Democratic states, no, stay together, which got 48% and then undecided. And the thing is, all she continues to do is to push this narrative to get people thinking that, oh, well, we can just split up. It's that easy as if we are not intertwined, something we'll talk a little bit about later. But also the interesting thing is that it's not necessarily just Marjorie Taylor Greene out there as there are other Republicans. What we have, as we've seen, Thomas Massey out of Kentucky. This is what he posted on Twitter earlier this month. He asked, has secession ever succeeded? One of my freshman classmates at MIT from Bronx Science NYC didn't know West Virginia was a state. He thought it was just a region of Virginia. Most people know it's a state, but few know it's seceded from Virginia. It's a story that's not often told. Uh, you know, I definitely say that he's right. It is a story that's not often told because it involves actual slavery and what uh, white people were willing to do to maintain control over the largely black populace that were enslaved. And so, because, you know, hey, we are what? As an American people, we're generally averse to acknowledging the ills of our past. It seems to be something that other people are game on. And we do really want to kind of acknowledge the fact that experts realize that it's possible that we could have another civil war. Dr. Barbara Walter of UCSD, who really studies these hot spots like Syria, and she helps run a blog on political violence. Well, she said that the US really meets several of the telltale signs that are a part of the road to insurgency, as though January 6th wasn't enough. But this is essentially what she said here. She said, no one wants to believe that their beloved democracy is in decline or headed toward war. If you are an analyst in a foreign country looking at events in America, the same way you look at events in Ukraine or the Ivory Coast or Venezuela, you would go down a checklist assessing each of the conditions that make civil war likely. And what you would find is that the United States a democracy founded more than two centuries ago has entered very dangerous territory. And you know, as we previously covered that three retired US generals also issued a warning of their own fearing that potentially there would be a split and the military might play a role in that. And there could be a civil war stemming from it. So we've seen that they pointed to signs of potential turmoil in our armed forces and noted that a disturbing number of active duty members of the military took part in the Capitol riot, accounting for more than one in 10 people charged. The potential for a total breakdown of the chain of command along partisan lines from the top of the chain to squad level is significant should another insurrection occur. The idea of rogue units organizing among themselves to support the rightful quote unquote commander in chief cannot be dismissed. Without question, this is something we can't ignore. Nina? Yeah, no, it is It is serious in January. Six was just a reminder that here we're about to come up on an anniversary, if you will. I hate to even call it an anniversary, but we will come face to face with January 6th again here shortly. And we do have to have a recognition in this country. And it's not just about Mr. Trump becoming president, although 
his presidency did bring up the things that I think were very deep up to the surface. It is absolutely possible. And because of leaders like him, because of leaders like Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who continue to stoke this flame and feed this type of poison to the American people, absolutely it is possible that something like that could happen again. And we do have to do everything that we can to not let something like that happen. Absolutely, you know, either protecting our democracy, because you know the fact is, what our uh, at least if we consider Marjorie Taylor Greene's thoughts, our options are let's stay together and fix what we have going on, or divorce. And the thing is that if we were to actually divorce and entertain that, it would end up that it'd be black and brown people who suffer the most. Roughly yeah. 55% of the black population in the U.S. lives in the South and southeastern states, which are largely red. And so the fact is that the vote of black voters generally has largely been disenfranchised to begin with. So if we That's were right. to divide ourselves, we'd end up essentially putting a lot of the black population in the United States in the turmoil that our ancestors lived through, where they would continue to be oppressed. Right, and, and, and as you can see, I mean, you're pointing out, I just wanna add another layer to that. When we look at state legislatures all across this country, that the Democratic Party, for example, has not protected that flank in making sure that the requisite investments were made to encourage people to run. And so Republicans certainly control more state legislatures, more governor's mansions in this country. And that is really where we are seeing the erosion of rights, be it voting rights, women's reproductive rights, right to work states, which really means right to work less. Those things that impact the material conditions of the overwhelming majority of people in this country. And as you point out, where most black and brown people are, and then where poor people are by all, from all racial and ethnic groups. These losses, this erosion of democracy is happening primarily on the state level. So we gotta get a clue really, really quickly and try to get more people who have a conscious mind about what it takes to build this country and to build it together into these offices. But it is absolutely a sin and a shame to be in the 21st century in America and having people who are elected to office not only try to separate us, but also use public policy to make it harder to vote, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, thank you so much. You are hitting on the points and nobody lets you stop. Uh, forgive me. You know, you can't control kids these days. Anyways, yeah, and while we wrap that up, because I'm Cali born and raised, you know, I also got to say to Marjorie Taylor Greene, you need to get real. You know, California is about to have a historic $31 billion surplus budget. It's on pace to have so much money that it could exceed a constitutional limit on state spending. Yet Florida's got a meager $7 billion. The fact is that Cali contributes 15% of the national GDP. Florida can't even hit five. So it's like, don't even talk to me about splitting up the union, because if so, the nation of Cali. California will be living and the California love will be real. We are gonna move on to what is going on down south that is also just reflective of the carceral state in which we live, which is problematic. We have this shocking story that comes out of Virginia that showcases that inhumane aspect of the carceral state. After serving nearly two decades in of their almost 2000 year sentence, there is a man finally getting release. Let me show you the picture of this man here. This man, Lawrence Stevens in 2001, he was sentenced to 1823 years in prison for a home invasion and robbery. 
even though nobody was hurt. Now this is the backstory, it's courtesy of the Atlanta Black Star. On November 13th, 2001, a then 18 year old Stevens was homeless working two jobs with a baby on the way according to Rebecca Wynn, the Hampton, Virginia. NCAA legal redress and criminal justice chairperson. She says, while working at his restaurant at the time, Stevens and another black employee were talked into breaking into a house and committing a robbery. An older white coworker masterminded the robbery, but never went inside the home. They ended up taking off the top of my head, $500 and maybe a gun, Wynn said. There were five co-defendants in all, but the white participants in the robbery received standard sentences, averaging 10 to 13 years as the black co-defendants received harsher sentences. Darnell Nolan, who was 17 years old at the time, received a 35 year prison sentence. And Stevens received 1,823 years. The two black teens, their sentencing greatly exceeds that of the sentencing guidelines and that of their white co-defendants. When said at the lopsided prison sentences. When says sentencing guidelines are put in place to reduce bias, but this judge had a long track record of delivering harsher sentences to black men. When would not go as far to say that Judge Smiley was racist, but she said the history speaks for itself. And that judge died in 2008, but luckily for Stevens, he wasn't gonna die in prison if Wynn could get that chance to get him out. And on December 17th, 2021, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, went ahead and granted Stevens conditional pardon requests. That was just the other day. But the thing is, is that his exact conditions of the pardon are not necessarily clear at this time. But we do know that he has been pardoned even if conditionally, which is a very powerful stance and a powerful point. Nina, what's your thoughts? Yeah, this is a sad commentary on the legal system that is operating exactly as it was designed to operate. Um, justice is not blind because she certainly sees black people, brown people, and poor people very clearly. This is yet another example that not only do we have to clean up, you know, have policing reform because we talk a lot about that, but we have to have total, not not reform, transformation of the legal system that does treat historically and even right now to this very day. We don't even got to go back all the way back in time, Major. We can talk about right now, which we are. It does treat black people differently. The sentencing is different. The weight of the, the, the law is reflected differently if you are black, if you are brown, and certainly if you are poor. Because the rules of engagement for this entire system, be it political, social, economic, or environmental, it was not written by the common people. It was written by and for the people who have all of the power. And until we are willing to face the racial biases, the anti-blackness of this nation. We cannot correct any of these ills until we have the confession. That's absolutely right. We need that, which is also why we're seeing the opposition out there fighting so hard to confront our history, to confront our reality. And the thing is, is that such excessive sentencing toward black men in particular, it's not just limited to Virginia. We also recently are seeing it right now in Louisiana. There was a big Huffington Post piece that just recently came out. And the interesting part, let me read that from you, is it explained that two longtime Louisiana inmates who expected to serve 10 years and six months behind bars. Well, they remain incarcerated decades later. They may soon go free under deals with New Orleans prosecutors. 
At the time, state law laid out a process for Louisiana prisoners with life sentences to apply for a commutation after 10 and a half years. And legal experts say that most got out under those rules, but then state lawmakers tightened the requirements. Now let's look at these two inmates that are hopefully gonna get out. These are the former inmates, their names are Leroy Grippen, he's on the left, and Lewis Mitchell on the right. Now what we do know is that Louisiana dropped parole altogether for life prisoners in 1979, which tells you that, hey, these people that are being incarcerated now, they don't even have a chance to necessarily redeem themselves. And we also know from the Huffington Post piece is that the two men are among roughly 60 Louisiana prisoners who expected a chance to get out after 10 years and six months, but now they remain incarcerated. They range in age from 66 to 86. Most were convicted of murder and the rest rape. More than 50 of them are black. This tells us a lot about what our carceral state looks like and who is suffering the most. The fact that the goalposts are being moved for these inmates who may have thought that they have a chance to rehabilitate themselves and to return to society and that has been taken from them. Nina? Yeah, absolutely, and we do have to figure out as a nation, are we gonna continue to be the nation, we, we incarcerate more people than in any other nation on the face of the earth. Is this going to continue to be our future? You know, just because it's the reality today doesn't mean it has to be reality tomorrow. And what does a real criminal justice system look like? Because we don't have that right now uh, with, that, with, with private prisons. You know, I, Adrian, I just believe that people should not be able to make a profit off of other people's misery. We need to do away with private prisons. You know, we talk a lot about in our community, the, the, the school to prison pipeline as well, as they are feeding in and, and, and creating environments in this country where it's ready made to keep that beast called the prison uh, going and going and going and not really giving people the opportunity. Look, you commit a crime, you're convicted, you serve your time, you should be able to come out and to see your life anew. Now we do know that there are some people, a small segment of the population, people who are very brutal that maybe should never ever see the light of day. But otherwise, most people are going to get out. And what we find in most cases, Adrian, that this system that has been created, it makes people worse when they come out, not better when they come out. And most, most importantly, we have to admit to ourselves that the system has a triple standard when it comes to black people and especially black men. This cannot stand. We must absolutely change this system if we want to talk about justice in all of its forms. Absolutely, yes, you hit the nail on the head. And you know what, you are absolutely right when it comes to um, to prison privatization, because the only profiting off of misery that I actually endorse and allow for is what they call alimony. Now we will be back very shortly. We will see you stick and stay. Welcome back to TYT's Indisputable, Adrian Lawrence filling in for the incorrigible Dr. Richie. Now, let's go ahead and talk about what's going down tomorrow, which is New Year's Eve. Well, we won't have any live programming because it is New Year's Eve, but you can catch up on Indisputable and your favorite TYT shows by checking us out on TYT.com. And also, we will be back first thing Monday in that 2022 year. Also, join Brett Ehrlich and Brooke Marks for a New Year's stream and Eve party on Twitch. You can go to twitch.tv slash TYT plus 
there's gonna be a shop TYT giveaway. Join them at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. There's also a shop TYT sale of the year with 25% off site wide. That's big. Also, my book is in there, so definitely check that out. Staying in the game, gotta give it a shout out. And you're gonna celebrate that near year end with some Dragon Squad merchandise too at shoptyt.com as well as get that indisputable gear. You know you need it and spend sustainably with Aspiration. Since 2020, Aspiration's Plant Your Change community has already committed to planting over 33 million trees and counting. Plant Your Change allows you to plant a tree on every purchase by rounding up to the nearest dollar. This is an opt-in program. Check it out at aspiration.com slash TYT. Also coming up on the conversation, I think I might be on it. You're gonna wanna watch it live at 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific at tyt.com slash live before the Young Turks. Make sure you subscribe and watch all interviews at youtube.com slash tyt conversation. Now let's go ahead and see what y'all had to say. So with the tyt members on tyt.com about Marjorie Taylor Greene's idea of a divorce to the nation, HR Cat 2 and Denonian uh, says, I'm starting to think that MTG is a German performance artist that is just seeing how far can can it go. This can't be real. Akem's Taser says the GOP is too busy in fighting to organize a civil revolt. It wouldn't last a day before they started turning the guns on themselves over something trivial. Yeah, it sounds pretty right. Mickey see the silver haired dragon. Nina hit the nail on the head, yep. Yes, racism, hate and violence were always here. But Trump not only gave permission for those to come out in the open, he also gave permission for them to act on that hate. He's been calling for violent action since he descended from on high on his golden escalator. Yeah, golden escalator and golden toilet where he should have stayed. JMD. California is the largest economy in the US, fifth in the world. New York's economy is the third largest in the US, no problem. All those welfare red states will fall into ruin without Cali and New York's assistance. Those are just facts. Now YouTube super chat, Forbeszilla with the $5 donation, appreciate it. I'm all about this intense black woman power. This is the power hour, so much brains and beauty on one screen, love you ladies. Thank you, Forbeszilla. I see that your vision is 2020. We both thank you. Trudy Lawrence with the $10 donation says civil war. So my black brother and sister stay woke and safe cuz Karens and these insurrection folks are K crazy. Ain't that the truth? Out there on Twitch about MTG's divorce idea. Well, Yeetwood Max says the divorce is scary for the main reason that a lot of innocent people would get stuck in the wrong place for the same reason they already can't move to a better location. We don't need a divorce. We need a government that accurately represents the people. That is right. And D. Kashmar says these two women are so smart. We are truly lucky to have their insights on what is happening. Thank you, May. Neon Death 07. We like kitties here, Adrian. It's the internet. Do not encourage him. He is over here snoring. All right, about the man sentenced to 1800 years. I believe this is Alejandra Maldano Mexia says, TDH, all judges must be screened for bias. Go through a series of mock trials in order to determine their bias before putting them on the bench and bars should be extremely more strict of what they have been so far. Yeah, I know, 
yeah, as a licensed practitioner, I can tell you, I agree. But unfortunately, our society is not really looking to weed out bias. Mm. And speaking of bias, we are going to see this incredible Karen clip that I will show you momentarily. And to give you a little backdrop, while on his delivery route, there was a black FedEx driver who was filming this encounter with a strange couple. Apparently, this is quite common for him. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? Life of a black FedEx driver in Louisiana. You want the number? What? You want the number? I don't need no number. You want to fight? We go down the road, bitch. I'll beat your bitch ass up. I really live like that. I swear, it's just like people can't even work without being assaulted by people and their racism. What is going on here, Nina? That man deserves a raise. I mean, mm -hmm. really. And I wonder, I don't know, Adrian, I wonder was that couple drunk? I mean, it doesn't excuse their behavior. I think when people get intoxicated, it just brings out more of who you already are, to be quite honest. They seem a little either they off or they're 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 drunk. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but that you're absolutely right about that FedEx man deserving a raise. You know, he's trying to deliver packages, and you got these people out here trying to get him to deliver these hands, which I would deliver. It's like don't don't roll up to me in my truck. I will show you what's up. And it, it is kind of interesting that man without his shirt on was trying to pretend he stays ready, and his wife kind of holding him back. If that delivery FedEx man would have gotten out of that truck, it would have been a whole different ballpark. Oh yeah, it was just a clown show. That one was just a clown show. I don't even know what those two were thinking. But you know, even to have the driver say, "Welcome to my life," basically, this is what I go through. I mean, if we just stick on that point just for a little bit, it does remind us that we have to forever stay vigilant and fighting against racism in all of its forms, anti-blackness in particular. And this kind of stuff is not cute, Adrian. It really, this is problematic. Mm -hmm, exactly. And the fact that, you know, if they were in uh, a different neighborhood, maybe one that was more affluent and you had white people acting this way, the thought that they could call police or that they could report that man in his job in some way and essentially disrupt his livelihood or his freedom. It's like these are the factors that we as black people consider when we are just trying to do our jobs or living our lives on a daily basis. That's right. This is not a game. And I mean, and imagine if the police did come. Not saying that something always has to turn into a violent encounter for African Americans, but it could. We understand that, that it could. This is serious, this is real. It has happened to too many people. And so folks should not play games. We're talking about calling the police on folks, especially on black men. It can be a very dangerous encounter and it can determine life and death in too many cases. Absolutely, yep. And so let's go ahead and turn to what is also going on in this unfortunate racist world. So we've seen many responses to CRT, critical race theory, but in response to this, this I guess response presented 
in the educational schooling arena is just kind of shocking. So there's homeschooling parents now being given the opportunity of having this new resource concerning children's curriculum. It's online learning on how to maintain white well-being. Check this out right here. So the website that has presented it is called School of the West. And this school wants to help you understand how we can essentially make sure that white people and white children in particular are emotionally safe and sound. So this is the write up on this from the Daily Beast. So a write up on the contents of an upcoming three month live streamed white wellbeing course advertised for students ages four and older explains that it will help children understand the gift of being born a member of Western kind and the qualities that separate us from the other races. In case it wasn't clear, the write-up clarifies that the white race is known as Western kind. It also promises to teach them how to spot the and respond to the anti-white propaganda that supposedly suffuses modern life, why white people are the only true citizens of Western nations and how feminism destroys the family unit. The supposed backbone of all Western kind, thus weakening our societies. This blatant white nationalist ideology is infused into some of the site's lessons on conventional subjects as well. Its history materials, for example, falsely teach that the notion European colonization led to the spread of new diseases that decimated indigenous populations is not established historical fact, but an anti-white myth. The school also links to the Institute for Historical Review as a reliable online source for the study of history. By the way, this Institute for Historical Review notoriously publishes materials that push for Holocaust denial and anti-Semitic readings of history using the language and formatting of conventional academia, but none of its rigor. And the school's life sciences materials are just a series of seven videos and attendant worksheets on the supposed science of human racial differences, which deliver a series of thoroughly debunked pseudoscience arguments as if they were hard facts. Now this is very, very scary out there. The fact that they are now marketing this indoctrinization of children into white supremacy, also misogyny. And it really just kind of seems like it's something that we have seen, but just not necessarily on this level. Nina, your thoughts? Adrian, I sigh, you know, I, I just, these people have lost their ever loving mind. I mean, that is what the facts are. All of a sudden, teaching the good, the bad, and the ugly. We don't even talk about critical. Critical race theory is not taught in K through 12. Hell, it is barely taught in college. It is a specialization and it's usually taught in law school. So let's get that straight. But I'm gonna put that in the parking lot. The very fact that in this nation, that some people wanna walk around as if what happened in this country, the taking of the indigenous people's land, that happened, Adrian, we're not making this up, that's real. Stole these folks' land, mm-hmm. enslaved our ancestors. But this stuff is real, treated women like second class citizens, didn't get the right to vote to the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution. We can go on and on and on. And so you mean to tell me that disrupts the well-being of white children to be able to be taught the truth about America's history. Hell, all of us need to be taught the truth about America's history. And again, understanding the past so that we can create a better future. So this ain't about critical race theory. These people are using that as a cloak 
to do some of the things they wanted to do all along. I mean, it reminds me very much of the 19th century doctrine of manifest destiny. That it was the destiny of white folks in the Western world to colonize and imperialize <laughs> all other areas and create those areas in their image. Ooh, don't get me started on this mm. stuff. It just boggles my mind. We are we in the 21st century or are we in the 18th century? I'm still trying to understand. We're regressing on the regular. These people yeah. want us to regress. It's the thought of let's go ahead and have history repeat itself. And thus we are going to do that by virtue of the fact that we're not going to teach it. We are going to essentially shape it in a way that essentially makes white people continue to be the heroes and having done right and done good, as opposed to just simply acknowledge facts so that we can hopefully not repeat it. But right. nope, not gonna happen. Uh, you know, it's just people don't have the courage to recognize, uh, in part because they're still involved in a lot of the racism and oppression that they claim ended years, decades, centuries ago. And right. when it came to accountability, you know, the Anti Defamation League and the Daily Beast, what they did is they tried to track down the owner of this website who was selling this material. And they were able to find this. On the site, he goes by Brant Danger, but the Anti-Defamation League extremism researcher Mark Pitcave in the Daily Beast, well, what they have done is they've identified him as Brant Williams, who until this spring was a teacher at, who was a teacher in the majority Native American Page Unified School District, which serves Page, Arizona and surrounding areas. A representative for PUSD told the Daily Beast that Williams left of his own volition at the end of this last school year. The representative said they weren't aware of his work on the quote unquote school of the West. So pretty much in Arizona, which does have a high number of white supremacists to begin with, you know, this gentleman is working with indigenous children and as an educator, while also running this essentially homeschooling academic white supremacy model. And this gentleman, Mr. Williams, well, he didn't respond to efforts to actually the repeated efforts of the Daily Beast to reach him for comment on this story. But this is what the Daily Beast noted. They noted that experts on homeschooling and white nationalism alike say that his school actually reflects longstanding efforts to indoctrinate children into extremism. It's just far more blatant, visible, and organized than many past extremist school homeschooling endeavors. Amy Cooter, a sociologist who studies white nationalism and grew up in a private Southern Baptist church school with connections to far right homeschooling groups, argued the school's blatant racism is not a naive mistake, but a logical step in larger efforts to bring white nationalist ideas into mainstream consciousness. Yeah, definitely seems like they are putting efforts out there to indoctrinate children so that they can create a next generation of white supremacists. Nina. I mean, you summed it up and it is something that I know it is really hard for many of us to believe that this is happening, but it is happening and we all have a role to play in making sure that we educate ourselves, we educate our family, our friends, that we make sure that we are having these conversations. There is absolutely nothing wrong with telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God, about the founding of this nation and also the systems that continue to be a, an entire hindrance to the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness for so many people, period. And you don't overcome a thing by pretending like it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I, I just really do not understand these folks. Yeah, neither do I, neither do I at all.
But they are one of those things where we just realize we cannot continue to wait for them to get it together. But we can do is hold people accountable. After a long set of deliberations spanning Christmas with a break, suddenly the, 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 the jury reached a verdict. Well, I think the most important thing, particularly for British workers, is that the um, government uh, was very careful who it used as witnesses. It did not use as a witness the woman who accused Prince Andrew, accused me, accused many other people, because the government didn't believe she was telling the truth. In fact, she, Virginia Gouffre, was mentioned in the trial as somebody who brought young people to Epstein for him to abuse. And so this case does nothing at all to strengthen in any way the case against Prince Andrew. Indeed, it weakens the case against Prince Andrew considerably because the government was very selective in who it used. It used only witnesses who they believed were credible, credible, and they deliberately didn't use the main witness, the, the woman who started the whole investigation, uh, Virginia Gouffre, because ultimately they didn't believe she was telling the truth. They didn't believe that a jury would believe her, and they were right in doing so. So it was very smart on the part of the government. So in the wake of Ghislaine Maxwell's verdict, that was Jeffrey Epstein's right hand woman. The BBC brought on quite the controversial legal analyst to really break down the British socialites five count conviction involving child sex trafficking for the late billionaire Epstein. Well, that analyst was none other than Epstein's former attorney, Alan Dershowitz, who also happened to be accused of being involved by way of having sex with one of those underage girls. Uh, that Epstein was essentially providing to his friends. Now, the BBC, uh, well, they didn't really handle it as well. But here we go, per the Washington Post. When interviewed on the BBC News Channel on Wednesday, Dershowitz was introduced simply as a constitutional lawyer. He then was allowed to attack Gilfrey's credibility without challenge from the presenter, because Virginia Roberts Gilfrey was one of, uh, was a woman that came forward and said that essentially she was forced to have sex with Dershowitz. Well, the appearance on social media was denounced by the public and legal experts as totally inexcusable, with many calling on the BBC to explain why Dershowitz came on air. Dershowitz also appeared on Fox News on Wednesday, but that network specified his connection to the case. Fox News at least acknowledged Dershowitz connections with Epstein, wrote journalist Aaron Rupar. Unfathomable that the BBC thought this was a good idea. The Labour MP Nadia Whitham tweeted, Alan Dershowitz, who was accused of the same crimes as Prince Andrew, is on the BBC trying to silence victims following Ghislaine's Maxwell's conviction. I can't believe this needs to be said, but the BBC should not give a platform to people accused of child sexual abuse, she added. We have a responsibility to believe people when they disclose sexual abuse and to create conditions in which they can in the first place. All details of Epstein's network should be published and all victims, survivors are owed justice. This is clearly the tip of the iceberg. And as the BBC posted in response to the backlash, they issued this statement. Last night's interview with Alan Dershowitz after the Ghislaine Maxwell verdict did not meet the BBC's editorial standards as Mr. Dershowitz was not a suitable person to interview as an impartial analyst and we did not make the relevant background clear to our audience. We will look into how this happened. Nina, how does this look to you? Yeah, I mean, they should have never had him commenting, period. 
I mean, that's just it. There are many legal analysts that could have talked about this case. They did not have to pick him. So I'm glad that there was backlash and I'm, I'm glad that the BBC just said, hey, this didn't meet our standards. Oops, we made a mistake and we need to make sure that we don't make this kind of mistake ever again. Yes, exactly. These are, uh, these are just uh, mistakes that really just, it's like, how do you even get here? Alan Dershowitz has been accused of being among the men that was raping these young girls that Epstein and Maxwell were trafficking. So how are you actually gonna bring him on TV to talk about the verdict? It's like, get out of here. Yeah, make it make sense. We can't make it make sense because it makes no sense. And it it was really reckless and irresponsible on their part to do this. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, when you think about the fact that we have Ghislaine Maxwell now definitely going to prison on those five counts on which she was convicted. Yes, yet, where are all the men in this? It was the men who were raping these girls and trafficking them and participating in all these things. Yet they are wealthy, they are white, and they are not here. So what what, what is going on? We know who many of them were. They've been identified as being in Epstein circle. But again, it's like privilege is keeping them from being in handcuffs and having an what eight by nine cell just the same. Well, if they went after her, they need to go after them as well. She definitely yeah. played a role. And I'm not saying that I'm a, she needs to go down too. But these men, you're absolutely right. They need to call them to account as well. It's yeah. both and. Yeah, exactly. It's not what aboutism. This is about justice and the fact that I'm just tired. Like it, it just, it's like nah. These 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 men can't be running this street knowing damn well that they were out here victimizing these girls. Like nobody has time for this. Go ahead and just hold them accountable and you know put them in a put them in a cleaner cell if we need to. If we feel you needed to, you know, uh, acknowledge their privilege and elitism, give them like an extra toilet. I don't know, but just put them away. That's all I need. But in the meantime, we need to take a break and we will see you momentarily. Welcome back to Indisputable. We are entering the last stretch of the last Indisputable for the 2021 year. And I want you to remember that because tomorrow's New Year's Eve that there will be no live programming tomorrow, but you can catch more of your favorite TYT shows as well as episodes of Indisputable going to tyt.com. And we will be back first thing on Monday. Also, Twitch has a new year stream. That's Brett Ehrlich, Brooke Marks, they will be there for the party. Plus, there's gonna be a shop TYT giveaway. You just have to head over to twitch.tv slash TYT. And that starts at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific or 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Also, do not miss out on shop TYT's last sale of the year. 25% off site wide, that is huge. And it also includes my book, Staying in the Game. So hook yourself up, celebrate the new year with some Dragon Squad merchandise at shoptyt.com as well as some indisputable merchandise. You need to get it, wish a Karen would. Also, I wish you would go ahead and head over to aspiration.com slash TYT. Why? Because spending sustainably with aspiration is really what we need in 2022. You plant your change that allows you to plant a tree on every purchase by rounding up to the nearest dollar. And this is an opt-in program and it is a winner. So definitely be a part of it. So let's go ahead and see what you all have to say out there. So on TYT.com for those members out there about the FedEx driver, Beer Dragon says white racist dude would not last past the first punch, laughable, so true. He really acted like he stayed ready, please. Naughtiness Maximus says brought to you by the Hitler Youth of America. We are right, cause we're white. 
Yikes. Colorado Blue Blazer Regular says, seriously, TYT, don't let these quote unquote companies spread their racism. Find the pictures and names and every bit of info about the people who publish this and scream it from the mountaintops. These racists need to be hounded from society. I don't have a problem with it. So for YouTube Super Chat 499 from Chaplain Fred, AKA Prayer Dragon, Miss Turner and Miss Lawrence, please have a blessed and a graceful New Year's. All of the love, grace and peace to you and your families. Thank you so much, we really appreciate Thank that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Trudy Lawrence, $5, hey FedEx, can my brother, can my brother can get some carrot repellent? Please, yes, get him something. I don't know what they need, but they need to get away from that man. Also, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon with those 10 pounds. I instantly thought of Yehas from Gulliver's Travels watching the Karen couple. May the New York's may the New Year stink less, but we are off to a good start just because you will be back speaking truth to justice. Absolutely. On Twitch. Icom's Tassery says, geez, I'm glad he can have fun with the situation about that FedEx driver. And Alice Ken's now Dragon 2021, those two were dressed for a trip to Walmart. Yikes. I can definitely tell you they need to stay in the house as much as possible. And as kind of does this woman, that's the Arizona gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake. During a campaign event, she went on a rant about teaching sex ed, excuse me, in public schools, really claiming that it's even more absurd than schools allegedly teaching Marxism. Check this out. You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Our children are being taught Marxism at school. They're being taught sex education in a curriculum that's 102 pages long. I gotta be honest with you guys. I'm a mom, I have two kids. I'm in my 50s, I'm not gonna go directly and tell you how old I am. I know a little bit about how babies are made and it doesn't take 102 pages of sex education to explain that. And it shouldn't be taught in 102 pages at school. We gotta take our curriculum back. I mean, what on earth are they teaching in 102 pages of sex ed? Marxism! It's a little crazier, it's as crazy, a little crazier than that. You know, this candidate, you know, Carrie Lake, I just, she seems more interested in wondering what's in those 102 pages. And also this thought that they shouldn't be teaching sex ed if it's 102 pages. We gotta realize that the Kama Sutra is 130 pages. So clearly there's not enough education getting to these kids because they're 28 pages missing. But what I can tell you definitely is that this puritanical society, these notions, this ideology that people shouldn't know about their bodies, how they operate, it's nonsense. And I really wish it would go away. Nina? How many pages does she want, Adrian? Huh? That, that, that's the question. How many pages would satisfy you? It is obvious that she has nothing else to do. No small businesses to help, no communities to lift, no nothing to do uh, to help change people's material conditions. She wants to sit here and pontificate about 102 pages of sex uh, in a sex education class. Lady, please get a life. And being elected certainly is not one of them. So, I, I, but seriously, inquiring minds want to know how many pages 
is suitable, is acceptable, I should say, for her. I, I want to know. Well, I think she only wants two pages, and uh, they shouldn't have any kind of uh, diagrams or graphics. Uh, it should be a coloring book, and it should say, you know, I'm married to Jesus or something. I don't know, but what I do know she is that- She said she's the expert, right? She said she she had kids, so she she the expert on sex ed. That's what she said. Yeah, that she knows how, yeah. how sex works. She, she like, knows how it works. Yeah. Okay, sure, boo. Uh, what we do know is sex ed, it's been shown to help to prevent, reduce the risk of adolescent pregnancy, HIV, sexually transmitted infections, diseases, so on and so forth, yeah. as well as just to improve people's lives and livelihoods. And the fact that, again, pushing this puritanical society stuff, and this is just, you know, it's part of the patriarchy. It's gross. It's not helping us in any way, any form. And this woman is not hit to the game. No, and it's never worked, and it's never going to work. No. No, this abstinence mentality, it's like, come on, nobody got time for it. And and then also Marxism, I would like to think that Karl Marx was down with OPP. Like, it's like, come on, we can do this all. I don't know, need a what both and, a both and. There you go, there you go. This is what Lake needs, but I know we need more individuals like you. Speaking out, using your voice and standing up, Nina, because you are absolutely incredible. And 2022 needs you. And I'm so excited. What do you got planned for New Year's? Well, back at you, darling. Well, I want to say Happy New Year's to all of our viewers, our TYT family, to you and your family and our TYT team. They make it possible for people like you and people like me to be able to have audience, to tell these stories, to speak a certain type of truth, to learn and to grow and to enrich each other. So happy, happy new year. How about you, Adrian? What you got on tap? Oh, I ain't got nothing but trying to avoid, you know, catching the what Omarion virus. I'm gonna sit myself <laughs> at home. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pour yeah. myself some bubbly and then just, you know, keep people at a distance. That's my joy in life. It sounds like a plan. Hopefully one of these days we will be able to be in in closer proximity, but we all got a role to play in trying to tame this virus. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nina. Where can people find more of you in this 2022 new year? My pleasure. Go to Nina at Nina Turner on Twitter, on the gram, it's Nina Turner Ohio, and on Facebook, Nina Turner. Awesome. Thanks, Nina. And I'll see you in 2022.